Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. Let's continue from where we stop. We're still dealing with the issue of the rapture. So, this, I suppose, is part four of that particular study. And for those of us who have not been following with us the panel, you can just go back, check up on the, on the page. And then you'll be able to see or listen to those other ones, or you get the CDs. We're going to, we were dealing with First uh, Corinthians 15, so we just go there straight. First Corinthians 15, from 51 to 52, talks about showing us a mystery that we shall not all die, but we shall be changed. 1 Corinthians 15, from 51 to 52. Praise the Lord. And in the passage, I said, The word said in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, we shall be changed. That's what he said. This corruption must put on incorruption. This mortality must put on immortality. Praise the Lord. So that's the main thing, and that's the emphasis of 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. And I try to make us understand, in, 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 in 1 Corinthians, it talks about the last trump, I mean, the trump of God in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're looking at 16 to 17. It talks about the dead shall be raised. Again, that place is talking about the trump of God. So we have the last trump and we have the trump of God. And I said both are saying the same thing. Because if you go down to uh, Revelation 10, we said before, and you'll be able to see again that the message of the seventh angel the Bible says when it begins to sound, the mystery of God is finished. Praise the Lord. So again, um, just to recap, I ask the question, what is it when the scripture says, in the twinkling of an eye? I try to explain to us the word twinkling is from the Greek word ripe. R-H-I-P-E. Meaning a jack of the eyes. The word is taken from the root ripto, which indicates a sudden motion to turn with a rapid movement, a stroke, to toes, or to fling. So the fact is the world is dealing with actions and motions and not necessarily the swiftness or the movement of the eyelids in relation to time. 
It's not dealing with time uh, frames. That is not what it's dealing with. It's dealing with movements. It's dealing with actions. Praise the living God. So, it's not moment in relation to time on the calendar or on the watch, on the clock. It's not dealing with that. It's dealing with motions. It's dealing with actions. And all of this thing is a movement, a jerk resulting in a change of direction. A sudden refocusing from the way you were initially facing or walking towards. So it's like, if I was facing this direction and I was walking, all of a sudden something happened behind me and I turned with a swift. That is the word twinkling of an eye. Nothing to do with the movement of your eyes and your eyelids and your eyeballs, whatever the case may be. Praise the Lord. I tried to explain to us the last time that, for instance, if you are in a room that is very dark and about maybe everywhere is quiet and the room is dark, you're just there alone, maybe you were studying or something, I mean, but the lights are no longer on, all of a sudden your door just swung open. The necessary and the only action definitely that you're going to uh, put forth or respond in this case to is to swiftly turn to the direction where your door are just open from. Is that okay? So it's a refocusing of direction. It's an action resulting from certain action as well. Praise the Lord. Okay. So that is just what it's really talking about. The normal reaction is you turn to the direction that door is open. So this rapid, quick and sweet change of direction, refocusing, and eye contact is what the word repay stands for. Because you've seen something else that you were not seen before. You just quickly turn over or backward or sideways depending on where the, uh, the, 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 the noise is coming from. You just jack and you turn over there. So the point I'm raising is this. Repay, which is the word twinkling, have nothing to do with moments in times of times. So now, because what is commonly taught is, well, when the trumpet sounds in a moment, before you know it, you are gone. And so your neighbor is just sitting down and then you don't see. Like today, uh, I'll share with my wife, somebody I know, a lot of us well, just send me something. It has been stated again. The end time is near. The rapture is about to take place. And then he quoted one of the bishops in this country, had a dream, had a vision. And so the whole thing is closed by. I just let him know, man, this man, if actually he did saw a vision, it was his own imagination based on what he has ever believed. And nothing from scripture one bit. And God is not in any way telling anybody he's going to rapture anybody tomorrow. No. Forget about who saw the vision. It is just what people know. It's just like when people talk about the names in the book of life. You see films. You know, people going to heaven and there's hell, there's heaven. And they go to a particular gate and one book is opened. Right? Have you seen such films? Right. One book is opened and then they begin to check through the books. 
And then if your name is not there, and then they say, go to the left. Now you're going to hell now. And then if your name is there, they say, go to the right. You're going to heaven. Have you seen such people? Praise God. But you see, if it is before you die only, can you ever get to know if your name is in the book of life? Then of course, you are not born again. You don't need to die to be able to know that your name is in the book of life. You just need to know that your name is in the book of life because you are a believer. Now, this is very simple. Maybe I'll find time to teach you again on what the book of life really is. But the first thing you need to understand is the book of life and the book of the dead. Jeremiah said, those who forsake you are written on the earth. What is that supposed to mean? It means that those who stay with the Lord are written in heaven. There are always two books. Book of the dead and the book of the living. Who are the dead? Those who don't have Christ. They are dead in sin and trespasses. So you should be able to know if your name is in the book of life or not. Otherwise, you tell me. Moses told God, if you will not forgive these people, blot out my name from the book that you have written. How did Moses know? He said, well, you know, this guy was always with God, so he saw. Okay. Now, you come to the New Testament, you find a similar thing. Paul said, writing to the brethren, <coughs> excuse me, he said, greet the brethren and those who labor with me whose names are in the book of life. How did Paul get to know the people laboring with him have their names in the book of life? And yet Paul, oh, you say Paul had a translation. That's where you get so confused. The thing you need to understand is so simple. The book of Revelation talks about the book of the life of the Lamb. So the book of life is a biography of the Lamb. That means every chapter of Jesus Christ reveals what the book of life is. And you've been born of the Holy Spirit, you are already in one of the books. I mean... You are in part of the pages that is being written. You need to understand. Because, you see, Jesus is the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians, I mean, three, second Corinthians 3, 17, 18 tells us that. How many of you remember? The Lord is that Spirit. Okay. So now what happens? If you look at the Bible, you read every book you read. At the end, you are going to see, Amen. Amen. Finish my two, Amen. Finish Luke, man. Finish this, man. First Corinthians, Amen, at the book. But when you read Acts, you don't see Amen at the end of the, of the book. Why? Because the continuous book is a book of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, you must know, it is not the act of the apostles, it's the act of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit walking through the apostles to do what happened in the book of Acts. So it's the act of the Holy Spirit, not the act of the apostles. That is man's caption for it. Do you understand? Now, as we are gathered here today, it is the Holy Spirit that has convicted us and brought us here and hearing what we are hearing. So the book of art is a continuous writing. There is no end to it. Because the work of the Holy Spirit. Are you following me? Anyway, that is something else. So the book of life, according to the book of Revelation, it talks about Revelation 20 and all of that, talks about those whose name are not written in the Lamb Book of Life. The Lamb Book of Life is Jesus Christ. The character is the nature, the attribute of Jesus Christ. 
When you talk about the Lamb Book of Life or the biography of a man, you're talking about the way the man lived, his lifestyle. So the Lamb Book of Life is the biography of the Lamb. You understand that? You have great men that have lived in this country, the Awolowos, the um, Saldana Sokoto, the, the Azikiways. You've read, you should have written or heard or read biographies about these people. You're just reading about the way they live their life. So, you said the biography of Awolowo, for instance. Is that okay? Or the biography of Barack Obama. You, you, you're just talking about the way the people live their life. So the last book of life is the way Christ lived his life. Is the nature of Christ. Is his achievements. And it's just what he's talking about. So it's not book. You have trees in heaven, right? How many of you understand books are produced from trees? <laughs> Some people don't think. <laughs> huh? People don't think. And you see... Anyway, that's another thing. Let's, let's leave that for now. Did anybody pick anything from that? Praise God. So, what am I trying to say? All of those pictures they are painting, sending us on WhatsApp, the end is near, they had a dream, is what they just have believed before. That is playing out. For the multitude of the man's thinking, there is always a dream. Hmm? Okay. So, let's go down to what we have. Talking about the twinkling of an eye, like I said. It's nothing to do with your eyelids movement or split seconds. You know, that we have been told men will fly away, plane will crash. Nothing like that. Praise God. Okay. So again, when we talk about the twinkling of an eye, we're actually talking about visions, illuminations, enlightenment from an outer an outburst of divine revelation of spiritual truth communicated by the Holy Spirit as we hear the voice of the Son of God in His trumpet sound which is the last trump which is the seventh trumpet that is sounding from what we find in Revelation chapter 10. It is when this light bursts into your spirit your understanding changes your perception about God even begins to change. You now begin to know as you ought to know. That is the twinkling of an eye. It's an outburst of divine revelation. Nothing to do with time. Nothing to do with natural movements. Is anybody understanding me? Praise the Lord. And those revelations is causing us to change our directions. Concept of life. Attitude, manner, beliefs, customs, and ways of thinking. Into his, from our former ways. See, when that prodigal son said, I can't continue to be here, I must go back to my father's house. Remember this statement. The Bible says, when he came to his mind. Something hit this guy. He said, come on, what am I doing here? I ought to be a prince. I ought to be living wealthy. What am I doing here? That was a revelation. That was a twinkling of an eye. What's the next thing? He started going back home to the father. He changed direction from following and eating with pigs 
to go back to eat and dine with his father who owns all things. That's the twinkling of an eye. When the revelation hits you as to who God is, when the revelation hits you as to what the attribute of God really is, and realizing that you are made in image and likeness, something begins to happen on your inside. You get angry with the atmosphere you find yourself. Is that okay? That is a response to a twinkling of an eye. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? So, it is simply a translation into the glorious image of Christ as we behold Him like we found before. You can just read that again. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18, if you can find it in your Bible. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18 tells us the same thing. It talks about the Lord being the Spirit. And it talks about we being changed and beholding the glory of the Lord that changed from glory to glory, even as by what? The Spirit. A constant change taking place as we behold Him. As a revelation of who the Christ really is. As we begin to realize again that of the truth, the Christ Spirit is our life. And that was the ultimate man that God intended to create. We put on flesh, if you must remember, in Genesis chapter 2. But the ultimate man that was actually to have dominion and rule over everything is the man in Genesis chapter 1. Is that okay? In chapter 1 is the ultimate plan of God, is the real man. But in Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says, Let us make man our image and let them have dominion. And then God formed man. There's a big difference between made and formed. In Genesis 2 7, God formed man. But in Genesis 1 26, 27, 28, God made man. Are you with me? <laughs> So it's just like the Bible said, Christ was made in the, in the likeness of man. What is that supposed to mean? He took on another form. Okay, for instance, Jesus will speak to Peter, come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Does it mean it's going to change anything about Peter in terms of his structure? No. But a new life, life of dominion, life of authority, will begin to flow in the life of Peter. That you'll be able to speak. And what happened? People will turn into the Lord. That's how I become fishers of men. And God called Abraham and tell you, you just follow me. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. You see that? It's God that makes men. Praise the Lord. So now, where is the change coming from? Because we, we agree and we believe change is going to take place. Where is it coming from? Let's look at something from the book of Philippians. Those who are on the machine, if you can put it on for me, Philippians 3, 20 to 21. You can read that. Otherwise, I'm going to read two combinations here for you. Okay, Philippians 3, thank you. Uh, it says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall do what? Change our vile body. That it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Our conversation, I'm going to explain that. But let's go down, read it for me from Amplified Translation. So that you can get it a little bit better. Amplified Translation. But we are citizens 
of the state, the commonwealth, the homeland, which is in heaven. We are citizens. We are not going to be. Did you see that? The word conversation speaks about our lifestyle. It's not talking about you talking. Our lifestyle is in heaven, not shall be in heaven. <laughs> because you see, so you look at it. And it says, which is in heaven, and from it also we are earnestly, from where? From this heavenly state, we are also, we earnestly and patiently await the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, our Savior. Wait a minute. Are we saved? No, come with me. Are we saved? Are we saved people? So, which coming are you talking about? Which saving are you talking about? If we already saved people. So you see, this salvation is not to do with the salvation of your spirit. This is the salvation of your body. Romans chapter 8 verse 23. The redemption to wit what? Our bodies. You are already saved. But you are being saved. And you are yet to be saved. How? Because you are made of spirit, soul and body. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. Hmm? The Bible talks about the Lord preserving your spirit, soul and body. Your spirit is already saved. But your soul is being saved. What is in your soul? Your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions. This is what makes up your soul. Your soul is being saved. And the Bible says, be a transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is in your soul. But your spirit is saved and sealed. Are you listening to me? Now, when your soul is saved, your body also will receive what? Redemption. That's what 1 Corinthians 6 will say. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, for they are bought with a price. Your body is paid for, but have not been collected. Meaning, have not been redeemed. Because you see, the endness of the spirit speaks about that which is like a down payment. So if I have to come to your shop to get a car, for instance, and then maybe the car is about $20,000, whatever, anything you want to put there, and I pay half of the money, I'm not taking delivery of that car until I pay off the balance. The day I pay off the balance, I take the delivery of the car. Though you've written a receipt, but you said balance this amount. So, when I pay the balance, I collect the property. As I'm collecting the property, I'm redeeming the property by paying off the balance. So now the Spirit says, your spirit is saved, but that the spirit in your spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, is a down payment, which means is a deposit. What about the full payment? The full payment is when your physical body is redeemed into the glorious spirit, I mean body, of the Lord. That's the full payment. Are you with me? So now we are expecting this change, the Bible says, to take place. 
Look at verse number 21. Who will transform the same word, change, metamorpho, like you find in Matthew 17, 1 to 3. When Jesus was transfigured in the same word, who shall transfigure and fashion anew the body of our humiliation to conform and be like the body of His glory and majesty by exalting that power which enables Him even to subject everything what? to Himself. He's swallowing up. Thank you, Lord. I'm just getting something. You see, you look at this plant, you plant the seed of this plant. Now, the seed of this plant takes the soil and converts it to life. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Are you with me? It takes the humus, the humus right there in the soil, and converts that as a form of energy to develop its life. The seed of Christ in you is doing the same thing. Praise the living God. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So now, the Bible talks about we've been transformed. Now, where is this transformation taking place? That's the question. Now, don't forget. Our citizenship is where? In heaven. Not is going to be in heaven. You don't get to heaven when you die. <laughs> now, this is, this is... If you can't be in heaven now, then you're not going to go to heaven. Because you see, you have to be a citizen of a nation to have a passport to be able to enter there. If you are an American, you have to have the citizenship passport of an American. Everywhere you are, you need to go back home. It is the passport that takes you back home. What is the passport that gives you heaven? Christ! Do you have Christ now? Yes! So even if you are not in America, for instance, that doesn't rule out the fact that you are not a citizen. If you are in Nigeria and then you are living, for instance, you are in Nigeria, you have the passport of a Nigerian citizenship, and then you are living elsewhere, even in China. You are a Nigerian. You are a citizen of Nigeria. You can go back home as you present your passports. You are not going to... Oh man, I don't know how to help, help us as believers. You are in heaven. That's what the Bible says. Somebody said, this is blasphemy. Thank you. Now listen to this. Jesus must also have blasphemed according to your theology. John 3.13. Read it for me. Hallelujah. John 3.13. Look at this. Let's take it from 12. If I have told you earthly things, you are speaking to a rabbi, Nicodemus, if I've told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Earthly things, what is it really talking about here? It's just dealing with the issue of the law. He was talking to a rabbi who was a professor of the law. Look at the next thing. And no man has ascended to heaven. But he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man. Who is the Son of Man in the Bible? Jesus Christ. Which is where? 
Now he was talking to somebody in Palestine. Where did he say he was? So how far is heaven? That's the problem. So if you say you are not in heaven now, you can't be in heaven now, then Jesus must have been the greatest blasphemer for saying that he was in heaven while he was not in heaven. Are you getting that? Now, look at what the Bible says. As we are born the image of the earthy, we shall to bear the image of what? The heavenly. What is the image of the heavenly? That is Christ. Who was the heavenly being, yet was living on the earth. So let's go back. What does it say here? It says, we are citizens of heaven. That's what he said in Philippians. And it is from this realm of our citizenship that we are expecting him to change our mortal bodies. Okay. Acts 17, 28. This may be hard for some of you, but you need it. Acts 17, 28. Now, look back a little bit. Let's look at verse 27. Okay, sorry, 26. Let's take it from 26. And I made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. And I determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. And I often tell people this. Every nation is set up by God, whether you believe it or not. It's set up the bounds of the nation. It's set up the bounds of the... Of the, of the the continent, the way they are. It's a predetermined choice of God. And that's why some people, they get crazy. I was sharing with somebody the other day, he talks about the issue of free will. I just laugh. If you have a free will, you won't choose to be born in Nigeria. I believe that. So many will not want to be born in Nigeria. So the father you're born in Nigeria shows you don't have a free will. God determined that. Am I correct? You have no choice. If you had a choice, you won't be born here. Why are you running away, going to overseas, going to Italy, going to and dying in the ocean because you feel Nigeria is not good? Because you feel your country is not good. You are just feeling that. So if you had a choice, you would never allow your parents to be born here. Not to talk of you. Am I correct? That shows that God sets the bound and God knows why He has to place you where you are. And the reason is because he wants you to make the change necessary in this nation. Praise the Lord. So here we go. Verse 27. He made all men, said the bounds, that ye seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him. Though he be not far from every one of us, God is not far. God is not up there in heaven, just looking down. That's the perception we always have. Look at the next thing. For in him, in who? Come and talk with me. In who? In God. In him we live and move and have our existence. As certain also your poet have said, for we are also what? His offspring. In him, in who? In God. In God. You see, we don't understand these things. That's the biggest problem. 
Okay, let me show you something. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Let's look at from verse 19. <coughs> Sorry. Look at this. The way that God was in Christ. Do you think about this statement? God was in Christ. <laughs> Reconciling the world unto himself. Not to be that transferred him to them and committed unto all the word of reconciliation. But before you read this, go to verse 18. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 now. And he said, To we that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imposing our transposition unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ. Although God did be saved by us, we pray you in Christ that be your word. Reconcile to God. Now I want you to pick that word. But before then you see, you read, If any man be in Christ. Have you read that in your Bible? He is a new creature. If any man be in Christ. He is a new creature. Now verse 19 says, God was in Christ. And we also believe, God is in heaven. Now, if God is in Christ, and you are in Christ, it means you and God are sharing the same environment. Are you with me? (laughs) You are both in the same environment. So then, if both of you are in the same environment, and he is in heaven, then where must you be? That's why it's difficult for us to understand these things. Praise God. See, you are a heavenly being living on the earth. That's exactly what Jesus said in John 3.13. You are a heavenly being but living on the earth. And that is why if you read this place, it says, we are ambassadors. Who is an ambassador? An ambassador is a representative of another country. Are you with me? An ambassador is somebody who is living in another land, but is a citizen of another country. So, and the ambassador resides at the embassy. Now, the embassy is equal to the country in another country. I don't know if anybody catching this. So, if you have an American embassy in Nigeria, the man that stays there is the ambassador from America. Now, the embassy of America in Nigeria is like America itself. Is the nation represented in another nation. So, if the Bible says you are ambassadors, that means you are diplomats residing at the embassy of God on the earth. Now until you recognize this, you won't have the potential, the power, 
that God has invested in your life and use it as a citizen of heaven but residing on the earth. Are you listening to me? So, the Bible is saying, it is in this environment, this embassy, as diplomat that we are, there is going to be an unveiling of the Christ that is within us to change our physical bodies. That's what we're waiting for. If there is anything you are waiting for, it's not a rapture, but what? A change of your body. Let's read it again. Romans chapter 8, 23. Praise the Lord. Oh, it talks about not only creation, but ourselves also, which have the first fruit of the Spirit. The creation is groaning. Even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for what? The adoption to wait. The redemption of what? Our body. Now look at the next verse. For we are saved by hope. Now, if you truly check this word by, is E-N, is to read, we are saved in hope. Glory to God. What hope? The hope I've just been explained in verse 23. The hope of the redemption of what? Our bodies. That's why he said, But hope that is seen is not hope. For what the man fear, what does he yet hope for? In other words, if you think this is the ultimate, then you have nothing to hope for. Therefore, hope that is not seen, you can hope for it. What is that supposed to mean? The redemption of our body is what Christianity is waiting for, not a rapture. But you hear all of this and be taught the hope, the blessed hope. <laughs> the, the blessed hope. Because the reason why the blessed hope, you want to escape the tribulation, you want to escape the Antichrist, you want to escape. That's why the blessed hope. You are just you are just a lazy person. You know what? Jeremiah said that precisely. He said, You are my battle axe and the weapons of war. You are refusing and trying to dodge your responsibility as the battle acts of God. So you made the rapture your blessed hope. But it's a false hope. Because there's only one hope that you have in the Bible. And that is hope of the redemption of your bodies. That may be transformed like unto his glorious body. With which he walked the earth when he rose from the grave. Praise the living God. So you see, Philippians 3 verse 20 is possible because we are in the same heavenly environment where his power is in active operation with which he is subduing all things unto himself. Now what should we think of that? That is, act like him is because he lived in heavenly, I mean, manifested the heavenly life even while he was still on the face of the earth. Like we said before in John chapter 3 verse 13, Jesus was living a heavenly lifestyle even though he was on the earth. Praise the living God. Sometimes people get confused about the use of the word heaven. Heaven actually is 
the Hebrew word or the Greek word Uranos. O U R A N O S. And it means that which is elevated, height, exhortation. It doesn't really speak of a location. The truth is the life of God, which is spirit, John 4 24, fills all realms of creation, and it can be perceived, entered into, and possessed by the spirit which is Christ in you, to the beginning of the change. The beginning of the change of your body is the Christ that is in your life. Every day something is happening in your body unknown to you. Praise the Lord. Let me use the remaining terminus to speak on that word. When you read in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the trump angel, and with the trump of God. If you look at it from the Philip translation, this word it says, one word of command, one shout from the archangel, one blast from the trumpet of God, and the Lord himself will come down from heaven. The truth of the matter is this, this thing is talking about a war cry. It's not a trumpet to lift up people in the sense of what we call the rapture. But this is a war cry. This is God coming for judgment. Hallelujah. I will, I will make you see a scripture. Uh, we already know 1 Corinthians 15, 51-52. talks about the last trumpet, like we said before, the trump of God. is the trump of God. And then in, in Revelation 10 verse 1 and verse 7, talks about the seven messenger. And all of this is when you put them together. They are speaking of one same thing. One and the same thing. So here the trumpet is directly associated with God himself. Unlike what we have in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, which is last trumpet that is associated with the seventh angel. Okay, I want to show you a scripture which is very important. That explains something to us. Uh, very, very different or explicit. Let me put it that way. I don't know how, but I want you to read the whole of Zechariah chapter 9 from verse 1 to the last verse. But I want to pick verse 1 and I want to pick verse 14. And then you can take it from a different translation. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 1 and then verse 14. Praise the Lord. Uh, it's very important. This is very prophetic about the judgment that God was to release unto the enemies of Israel. And they talked about the restoration of Israel. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 1, if you can put it on the board, friend. Chapter 9 verse 1. The burden of the law in the land of Hadrach and Damascus shall be the rest thereof when the eyes of man as of all the tribe of Israel shall be towards the Lord. This is very important. Take another translation. This same verse and then go very quickly to verse 14 because what I really want to point out is very much in verse 14. The burden of the oracle 
or the oracle, the thing to be lifted up of the word of the Lord is against the land of Hadrach in Syria. Damascus shall be its resting place, for the Lord has an eye upon mankind as upon all the tribes of Israel. Now, take time to read through, but go to verse 14. Go to verse 14. And the Lord shall be seen over them, and his arrow shall go forth as a lightning, and the Lord God shall blow what? Did you get that? And shall go with what? Wild winds of the south. I want you to know those things, very important. The Lord shall go with what? A trumpet. So, the last trump, the trump of God. So when you say the trump of God in First Thessalonians, what are you talking about? The trump of God is a war cry of the Lord. Okay. Take it from the Amplified. And the Lord shall be seen over them, and his arrow shall go forth as the lightning, and the Lord will blow the trumpet and will go forth in the wild storms of the south. I'm going to show you something in the New Testament. Can we take this from maybe any other simpler translation? I really love the way it is in the Living Bible, but I'm not sure if that's what you have. The Lord will appear above His people. His arrow will fly like lightning. The sovereign Lord will sound the ram's horn, which is the trumpet, and attack. I like this. Like what? A wild wind from the southern desert. This is very important. I'm going to show you something. An attack. So when the trumpet sound, what's the next thing that follows? An attack. This is what you find when you say, The Lord shall descend with the sound of the trumpet. So when the trumpet sound in First Thessalonians, he's talking about a war cry. That when you say the last trump, the last trump is connected to First Corinthians 15, and that relates to what? Revelation 10, 1 and 7. That is talking about the perfect definition of the message. But when you talk about First Thessalonians chapter 4, he's talking about a war cry of the Lord as he comes down to judge his enemies. You follow me? Praise the Lord. I want you to read, you take time to read all of those passages. But there is something I want you to see. Let me see if I can pick it up for you. Uh, it's actually in the book of Luke. I don't know if I can be able to find it right here. It talks about, you can design the science of the times. Let's look at Luke for instance. Luke chapter 12, I'm sure. Luke 12. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? Okay. Look to F, what do you find there? Oh. 55, I said. Look to F, 55. When you see, when you shall see the south wind blow, you say there will be heat and it come to pass. What do you think he's talking about here? Praise the Lord. <laughs> now, what Jesus was saying here is this. 
If you take time to read the whole of that picture, he was talking about the judgment of Israel. Mm -hmm. Now, I read that because of what we read on the other, coming out the south wild wind. Did you read that in the book of Zechariah? Verse 14? We're talking about the southern white wind. Say, I will attack at the southern white wind. And say, so here Jesus says, And when he shall say, the south wind blow. <laughs> so what was he telling is that, Now read the next verse, verse 56. Yeah, hypocrites, you can design the face of the sky and of the earth. The high is it that you cannot design the times. You know what he's telling them? Judgment is about coming to Israel, though it is close by, but you have no understanding about what is about to happen. In other words, God is about to attack to the Roman soldiers. Because, you see, if you take time to read, you find that the southwest wind blows over the hot desert areas in Palestine, and so it produces heat wave. So when he said, when you see the south wind blow, you say there will be heat, and it coming to pass. In other words, you 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 can say this is going to happen because the south wind is blowing, but you have no clue yet as to what is the next thing that God is about to do as far as Israel is concerned. This is the connection. So, chapter 14, you can see, the south wind is connected to what? To the trumpets. And he said, when the south wind trumpet sound, then the wind will blow and God will do what? Attack. You following that? Very good. So Jesus now takes the reference and said, you know so much about the south wind that produces the heat wave. But you have no understanding of the times you are living in. That is just a little while from now. The Roman armies are going to invade Jerusalem. That that south wind should have been able to tell you that something is about to come. So you see, Jesus actually referenced Zechariah chapter 9. Verse 14. Praise the living God. Is anybody seeing anything here? No. Let me even ask this. Is this what you are actually looking for? Or you, you, need, to, you, you need to be hearing something about prosperity? <laughs> Praise God. Maybe you should be thinking about prosperity. Ah, to live good life and buy a limousine or something like that. Oh, well, sorry. This is a place for reborns. Is that okay? It's only the person who is thirsty to know the things of God that can attend these Bible studies. It's not for milk. It's not for meat. This is for bone eaters. Is that okay? No, but how do you see this? Did you see anything interesting here today? In Luke chapter 12 verse 55? When Jesus talks about the south wind, how it is connected to the judgment in Zechariah chapter 9 verse 14. So interesting. That's what makes the Bible to come alive where you can connect the verses and the chapters. You put the books together for the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every doctrine be established. Now man don't understand First Thessalonians 4. When the Lord himself shall descend with the trump, what does that mean? 
The Lord is coming what? In judgment. At the south wind. <laughs> Glory to God. Hmm? Okay, let me just stand up tonight from Jude 14. Hallelujah. Jude 14, the God is said. Jude chapter 1, verse 14. And in there's only one chapter. One God, one spirit, one baptism. Jude verse 14. Now, what we're talking about, remember. Jesus made a statement in the book of Matthew and he said he's going to come with the holy angels, you know, remember that, to pass judgment. And he will send the holy angel to send the sound of the trumpet. Is that okay? Enoch was the seed from Adam. He got this understanding. He got the prophetic word. And this is what he said. And Enoch also the seven from Adam prophesied of this saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of what he sends. The next thing. To do what? Execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinner has spoken against the Lord Himself. Look at the next thing. These are what? Murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouths speaking great swelling words, having men's passion and admiration because of what? Advantages. I mean, the judgment is on these people. Are you listening to me? <laughs> Praise the Lord. You following me? This is what you not saw. The Lord is coming. He's coming with ministries that are going to get a conviction, produce conviction in the heart of men. Because the Lord shall be glorified in us on that day when He shall come to be glorified in the saints and to execute judgment upon the ungodly believers. What's the next thing, verse 17? But beloved, you are not, remember here the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 18 says, How that he told you there shall be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. No, we can stop them. Praise the living God. Did you get this? So, there is a judgment. Now, I want to say this. In every generation, there is this happening that men don't have understanding about. The reason I say that is because the Bible says, in every generation, God will always leave himself with what? A witness. He said he will not leave himself without a witness. In every generation. Now he uses men to execute his judgment. That is what people don't know. Is that okay? But again, get it right. For the saints and the saved ones who have received mercy from the Lord, the judgment is not to kill people. The judgment is to redeem them. For when the judgment are upon the earth, the inhabitants of the earth will learn what? Righteousness. 
We have received mercy. So we execute mercy. We have received the righteousness of God. So that's what we deliver unto people. We are not called to execute judgment to kill people. Is that okay? And that is why Jesus will speak to the disciples in, in, in Luke chapter 9, reading from verse 51, when he said, Permit us to call them fire from heaven to consume these people who will not receive you. He said, You don't know the manner of spirit that you are made of. That the Son of Man did not come to condemn, but to do what? To save. They come to destroy people. And if you have the Spirit of Christ, then there is no way you begin to operate in the realm of destruction. So all of those fall and die kind of spirits and things we look at today, they have nothing to do with the true Spirit of Christ. You can have the power and wrongly use it. Have you rejoicing because they are getting results? After all, Peter did the same thing. On Ananias Sapphira. By the time the husband lied to the Holy Spirit, Peter feels very heavy, feel very, very proud and puffy, and he has all the power. He just healed a little man. Now he has spoken, this one is dead. And the wife just came in and he looked at the wife. Did you, did you? And the woman said, yes, okay, the feet of the people that just took away your husband, they are outside there. And the woman fell down and died. Peter should be very happy that it's manifesting the Holy Spirit. Praise God. If it is lying that... I mean, sometimes I think Peter did not even think about who he was. You lied three times, but denied Jesus Christ. And yet he didn't kill you. He, he didn't know. He was just puffed up by the power that was flowing in his life. You are the one that denied Jesus. This man only lied for money. And then you killed him. Is anybody understand what I'm talking about? So this is the thing. We do all we are doing. We execute people by the power of the Holy Spirit. We feel very puffy. We feel very heavy. That the, you know, the Holy Ghost is moving. We pass judgment of people. They fall down and die. And we are very happy. But it's not because we are short-sighted. We've just forgotten where we came from. That we are more qualified to have died long ago. Before ever we are called to be who we are. Same thing that happened to Peter. You can wrongly use the power of God and still be rejoicing that you are doing God's work. Is anybody understanding me? Praise the living God. People don't understand that repentance comes from God. They think it has to do with how you force people to repent. No. We have time to deal with that so that you can be able to see. Now people that do cast, the Bible says, God gave them an open heart to repent. God gives repentance to people. Salvation is a gift. It's a grace given to you by God. So that somebody has not repented does not qualify you to run the person down and kill the person because you have the power of the Holy Spirit like Peter. After denying Jesus three times. And Jesus prayed for you. Why don't you pray for these people and forgive them? But power... is the people say absolute power corrupt what? Absolutely. And that's what is happening in the church today. We're killing everybody because we think we have power. But friends, what am I trying to say? Twinkling of an eye has nothing to do with a split second. It has to do with the change that is taking place within your system. And I told you earlier on, in a moment, the word moment is atomos, from atom. In other words, every bit of the atomic structure of your being shall receive 
a change. As long as you are in this heavenly atmosphere, the change is taking place. Think about, think about what happened when you put fresh fish in an oven. A change will definitely take place. Am I correct? So the environment determines what happens to whatever thing you put there. So if our conversation is in heaven, it is as much as we live in heaven that determines the frame of our system. The change comes because we are existing in a heavenly atmosphere. Christ in you, the hope of being glorified. God bless you.